You're listening to the City World Radio Network. High-definition digital radio broadcasting from the city to the world. www.cityworldradio.com Welcome to Morph Mom Moments. It's an exciting night tonight um, for two reasons. I have an amazing guest who is who has gone above and beyond anything I ever thought could happen. And I know this because she happens to be my sister. And she's incredibly impressive. And I'm actually thrilled that she's on tonight to share what she does. Um, before I get into that, a very quick introduction into where you are tonight and why you're here. My name is Kathleen Smith, but Kathleen Butler Smith. Um, I am the founder of Morph Mom. And we started Morph Mom about five years ago. It started with a website. And it started because I had been a prosecutor for many years. I'd stopped with kids and I couldn't figure out what to do. So rather than reinvent the wheel, I decided to start a website and go around and travel the country and re and interview women who had done, uh, had either had kids and gone back, had kids never gone and never left and stayed, and actually women who never had kids but had had stories to tell that could help others. And these stories were supposed to serve as an inspiration to others, either looking to find something out there to do that they could sort of go through a library of options, or 
instead to actually connect with someone who was doing something that they were interested in. And it was great. And the first year was really traveling the country. I have over 800 interviews from all over the country telling every imaginable story you can imagine, you can think of. And following that, I started to write for the Huffington Post. And now these articles, and you can find them again on Huffington Post under my name, Kathleen Smith. I just share these amazing stories. After that, I sort of realized it was great that we were sharing the stories through print, and it was great that we were sharing the, sharing the stories through video, but there was one thing that was missing, and it was the personal connection. And I could be sitting next to a mom at a soccer game and say, oh, you know, I'm going to go interview your neighbor tomorrow, and she'd say, well, why? And she said, you know, her kids play soccer. That's all she does. And I realized that women were very hesitant to share what they were doing. It was very easy to share what their kids were doing or their families were doing or what everybody else was doing. But last on that list to share was what they were doing. So I started hosting cocktail parties around the country. And it was great because women were actually making physical, actual human connection. And I think that's kind of what we all needed. And then came the radio show. And now we have classes, which are so much fun. And I urge you all to go to morphmom.com, M-O-R-P-H-M-O-M.com. So you can see what's going on when the classes are happening. Um, and now I want to say the most recent thing that just happened this Monday was the Morph Mom What's Next non-conference conference, basically the non-conference. And my sister Karen was actually one of the panelists that day. And what we thought about was, you know, everyone, there are conferences all over the place and they're very topic specific. And many times the speakers will speak and they'll leave and you're sort of sitting there in your seat saying, I feel as empty as I did before and that speaker is so accomplished and what am I doing? So I thought, what would be, how does that fit into this morph mom realm of everything I've done over the past five years? So I thought bringing together a conference, all these women that I've interviewed all over the country together in one day, in one place with cocktails at the end, sharing their stories, their ups, their downs, not just sharing their stories, but then having actual connection with the audience and with the guests. And that's what we accomplished. And as a result of that, I'm thrilled to announce our next non-conference is already scheduled for October 23rd. And again, go to morphum.com to find out about that. So as I said, I had incredible panelists, incredible women, and I'm so grateful to them for taking the leap to do this with me, to share their stories at something that had never happened before. And I called every single woman. We had 30 women come to speak, and everyone said yes immediately. They said, yes, I want to help other people. Yes. And one such person is my sister, Karen. And I'm incredibly proud of Karen. And Karen has done things that I could never imagine doing, and she's accomplished in everything that she has done. Um, Karen, I, I, in, I, before I introduce yourself, I think you can do a better introduction of what it is you've done and what it is you've accomplished. So tell everybody currently what you're doing. Well, currently I have a wellness and weight loss uh, practice, a private practice in the D.C. area, where I provide individualized um, weight loss and wellness plans uh, for every patient. And um, I've actually been able to expand um, my work by also integrating um, more of the digital age. And so I have patients all over the world now, actually, where I do some counseling via uh, Skype and, um, you know, uh, the um, iPhone, uh, the um, FaceTime. And um, so, but I really work directly with patients so that uh, it's not just a matter of weight loss, but really a matter of wellness and 
uh, taking care of themselves and as they age, um, learning about what's happening with their bodies so that they can make the changes and prevent um, weight gain as well as prevent injuries as well as prevent um, illnesses and um, just a lack of energy. Um, so I really do focus more on prevention, but, um, you know, that's so I have a comprehensive uh, practice in that regard. So I want to back up a little bit. Tell me about sort of your path to get where you are today. Um, well, if you have to look at my path, it um, kind of, it's been a little bit of a zigzag. Um, when I went back to graduate school for my master's, um, I started a nonprofit clinic where I worked with teens and young adults and provided free and lost, um, free and low cost gynecological and reproductive health care to um, 13 to 35 year olds. Uh, that was a completely um, kind of off topic thing that I decided to do. I always knew I, who I wanted to work with, but I never really thought of myself starting a nonprofit. Um, so that was um, an exciting and also scary time in my life because I was really venturing into an area that I did not know anything about. But um, I was able to succeed with that and um, built a pretty successful nonprofit that um, I ran for 12 years, and then we merged with an FQHC, which is a federally qualified health center, so my teen young adult health clinic um, still thrives today and actually was able to expand with the FQHC, and then I decided to um, pursue my doctorate um, with a focus on wellness um, and weight loss, and the main reason being is because I had a lot of people coming to me throughout my uh, time working, and um, I really wanted to work with the patients you know, regarding wellness and weight loss, but they had um, more, uh, you know, more issues that really couldn't even evolve, um, you know, wellness and weight loss. They were really just trying to survive, so the acute issues were um, more pertinent at that time, so I really wanted to focus more on prevention, and so now that the, the clinic is my first baby, as I call it, is still thriving um, and growing and helping is, um, helping even more people. Um, I really want to go with the preventative side and teach people what I've been teaching my friends and family for years. And so that's where my doctorate came in. And so I did my uh, dissertation on uh, sustainable weight loss, which not many people look at. Most people um, get results based on fad diet, diets that are you know, 12 to 16 weeks, and then um, no one looks at the aftermath. And so I really want to look at sustainable weight loss and um, just have people feel better. And when you did that um, dissertation and when you did the studying, you went beyond just sort of like the what you're eating. Was it more of a physiological um, study that you did or, or what what did you, I guess, what was the basis of that thesis or of that dissertation? So I looked at best practices and I combined what has worked in the past and what really is not being utilized today. Um, so it combines um, the physiological changes um, in our bodies. It combines lifestyle. Um, it combines behavior changes. And I also try to look at what causes, um, you know, we're, we're leading individuals to weight gain and body image. Um, so I, it, there is a psychological component as well. And when you when you look at it, do you sort of separate by age? Do you say maybe you know twenties, thirties, forties, or is there does that play a role in this? 
Um, it definitely can play a role in it uh, based on age, uh, you know, with hormonal changes. But when it comes to eating correctly, truthfully, um, it's just a matter of working with what your metabolism is. So my my focus is really on the individual's metabolism. And individual's metabolism does change with age. Now, it can also um, improve with age if you increase your strength and things like that. So it's not age-specific. It's really individual-specific. But yes, age definitely can play a play a part in why patients come to see me because they notice that they um, have put on weight and haven't changed anything, especially in their mid forties when they're perimenopausal. So, okay, so a very dumb, naive question. Everybody always says, "Oh, it's your metabolism." What is that? Like, what does it mean? I have no idea. I, I use the term very easily. <laughs> I, I mention it all the time, but I don't quite exactly understand what it is or how it affects what we do or what i don't know right no that makes so what basically our body needs calories um to fuel our organs okay so the same way that you put gas in your car calories feed our bodies and they keep our organs alive so your resting metabolic rate is what it your body needs um calorically to keep your organs alive. So every one of us has a resting metabolic rate, um, and it's different. I can't just look at an individual and say, this is your RMR. It has to be measured um, to get an accurate reading. And so that's that's the approach that I take, is that I actually measure individuals' resting metabolic rate, and I get their resting metabolism. And then that's how we base their caloric intake. And then I improve what they're eating so that the calories they're eating are the right calories. But the number itself um, is based on the individual. So that's the resting metabolic rate. Is there right. an active metabolic rate or is cal- or calories are, are defined by the resting? Yeah, no, no, no. So y- your body needs a minimum number of calories to keep your organs alive. So when people diet, they typically go below that number significantly, which is why people have these yo-yo dieting problems because they eat below their resting metabolic rate and then your body has you know one job to do and that's to keep your your organs alive so if you're not feeding your body the proper number of calories your body has to slow everything down so they can feed your organs and keep your organs alive so this fad dieting actually does it have lasting implications on like if it's slowing your metabolic rate down during the fad dieting does it remain at that slower metabolic rate Yes. So what happened is, yes, it could slow your slow your metabolism down, but then also um, many of the fat diets uh, they eliminate one of the macronutrients that we need. So whether it be you know carbohydrates or fat, um, so you know and proteins, other macronutrients that we need. And so what, many of the fat diets eliminate one of those. So when you reintroduce one of the macronutrients, if unless we have a, a medical condition where we can't eat certain foods that we need. Uh, once you reintroduce those foods that you've eliminated, your body um, has very good memory and will store what was eliminated for a while. And so it becomes actually a problem. So your body has your body has to go into the survival mode. And because in case you do it to it again, where you eliminate that that macronutrient, it has to have a store. So yes, it does impact the metabolism. Can you get it back? Like once you're back on board, can you can you reduce? You, you can. Yes, you can, but it does take time. But that's where the frustration kicks in for a lot oh, of patients. And does that have any medical implications? So, you know, those with uh, eating disorders. So I would guess anorexia even more than bulimia. I, I, I don't know. It's completely depriving. Or maybe it's the same same amount of stress or, or effect on metabolism. 
it's well, they, right. No, no, no. They they both have the same impact, um, uh, but they have different um, implications on the body. But they have the same impact on the metabolism. Yes. So, okay. So any eating disorder would have would have the same impact on metabolism. Is that why it 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 takes so much from your body? Yes. Right, because you're literally starving your organs with anorexia. You're star- You're not providing the necessary nutrients and the necessary calories for your for your um, organs to function properly. But is any of that damage permanent, or or can it can you- be? It can be. It, it can be. Yes. I, I, you know, it takes a while, but yes, it can be. Okay, so now we go back to like metabolic rate and some. You know, you look at people and you say, oh, you're so thin. Have you always been that thin? And they'll say, yes, I've, I've been able to eat anything I ever wanted in my entire life. And then there are others who are like, ugh, like I can't even look at a cookie, which is me. Um, but is that just genetic that defines or determines what your metabolic rate will be? Well, I mean, obviously when you're born, you have, you have a certain metabolism. And if you eat properly, it will maintain that metabolism. But... Many things impact your metabolism, whether it be strength training, exercise, lack of exercise, um, not properly eating, not properly providing the proper nutrients to your body. So you can definitely impact your body as you go along. So and your metabolism, but yes, it, it, it is it is genetic at initially. Yes, but then you can you can sort of not control it, but you can sort of dictate the direction it's going to go in yes. based upon your your diet and exercise. Exactly. And, and your lifestyle, behavior, all of that, yes. And when you were... Lack of stress as well. Stress impacts your metabolism, uh, you know, and lack of sleep. Two of the main things that um, we need to really focus on in order to help lose weight and have a better lifestyle really have to deal with um, sufficient sleep and decreasing stress. Okay, I'm completely screwed if those are the two. <laughs> I don't sleep and I'm incredibly stressed. This is really a problem. Wait, why does lack of sleep affect metabolism because it affects your cortisol level um same with stress so our body rest um sleep in, um prepares us for the next day so every night our cortisol level increases to the um the amount that we need to get us through the day and has like a natural you know a natural curve going down each day as we use our cortisol just to get us through the day cortisol is our fight or flight um hormone so if we're stressed and not getting proper sleep, our body is overstressed, so we increase the amount of cortisol that we are producing. And that's where that extra belly fat comes in. Oh. So our body's trying to protect us. I always was hoping if you're under stress, you're losing weight because you're stressed. I guess that's not it. <laughs> Shoot. No, ultimate, ultimately, it, it catches up to you, right? Yeah, that's really unfortunate. All right, so now let's go back to – so you, you – you have this level, uh, you're, you're resting metabolic rate. And so let's say you're 20 years old, you have this resting metabolic rate that's not great. Are there different recommendations that you give a 20-year-old as opposed to a 40-year-old or a 50-year-old to sort of rejuvenate or to reinvigorate that resting metabolic rate? Not really. Um, aside from certain vitamins that I'd recommend um, someone in their mid-40s and 50s to take, um, typically because uh, especially like vitamin D and B12 could be um, depleted as we age. Uh, truthfully, it's it's the same regimen um, as far as, you know, basing it on their 
personal resting metabolic rate and then strength training. And it just might be a little bit easier, though, for the 20-year-old to build muscle than it is for the 40- and 50-year-old to build muscle. Because we naturally start to lose muscle, 1% of muscle every year around age 40. So the 20-year-old is, is in a better position so that they hopefully can activate their metabolism faster by building that muscle um, as opposed to the 43-year-olds who have to play catch-up if they haven't been um, increasing their their uh, muscle. So, you know, we've always been told, go to every aerobic class you can, run, 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 but you're saying it's more the strength training that right. affects metabolism than the, exer- than the physical exercise. Absolutely. So aerobic is good, but I honestly, it sounds silly, but getting up to go to the bathroom is aerobic. I mean, you're, you're physically getting up to go to the bathroom, right? Right. When you think about it. So if you're just active during the day, when you really look at the numbers, um, you're burning about the same amount of calories that you'd burn if you were, you know, racing over to the, to the gym to run five miles on the treadmill. Um, you know, aerobic is very good for stress release. Um, and I always recommend it for stress, but when it comes to actual weight loss, you need to really build up your, your lean muscle. Because the lean muscle burns more calories than um, fat does, and it makes your body more efficient. So, okay, wait, I have to now, again, expose my stupidity. Wait, so lean muscle versus muscle, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't understand. It, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just building up your muscles. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't need to be bulky to be, to be, this, um, to be this massive uh, fat-burning machine by any means. So, you know, people, people, don't, people don't need to, like, you know, bench press 500 pounds. So it's just it's just using each and every muscle, sort of? Muscle, each. exactly. So why, so again, why does that affect metabolism more than running five miles? Because the, the muscle burns more fat than, uh, and more calories than fat does, and aerobic doesn't build, um, oh, I see. it doesn't build, it doesn't build muscle. And you're saying that gets now as and as people are aging, so with osteoporosis right. and everything else that sets in, does that affect any of this, or it's still the same sort of um, well, equation? Well, I mean, definitely. Um, well, as far as osteoporosis, that's going to make not going to make you gain weight, but uh, muscle training will definitely help you protect your bones as you age. So that's another benefit to muscle, uh, you building up your muscle. And going back to so. When, so you determine the resting metabolic rate and you say, you know, um, strength training is the important thing. Now, as far as the dietary, like, red flags or anything, like sugar, or, or what are we supposed to look for? Like, should we not be eating bread, not be eating sugar? What do you recommend as far as that? So I, I, I give a bunch of recommendations, but I really don't want people just to cut things out completely unless they're, you know, horrible for them. Um <laughs> You know, like six so, cokes you know, a day. I'm very guilty. Well, yeah, okay, well, yeah, that, that, that would be, you know, but we start with baby steps. I would, I would cut you down to like three cokes and then get you down to even less. But, you know, because you want to take baby steps when you do this, this, because if you jump in with two feet, you're more likely to get fed up, especially if you hop on the scale and it's gone up a pound, let's say, right. even though you haven't necessarily gained a pound. Um, so I try to explain to people physiologically, and I don't like to use the word plateau, but. Um, it's a very common term. So um, a plateau that someone sees on the scale does not mean that they have stopped losing weight, but psychologically uh, they get very discouraged right. and they give up completely. So I really like to educate patients on that sustainable weight loss is 0.5 to 2 pounds a week. 
Um, it's very difficult to, you have not gained three to five pounds um, in a day. It's just that you, it's just what you're storing currently. You haven't excreted it yet. Um, so it's, do not weigh yourself incessantly because you're going to be go insane. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, like it's, you know, when you think about it, you know, a pound is 3,500 calories and someone's like, I gained three pounds last night. I was like, really? You overate by over 10,000 calories? Oh, and that's over eight. They're like, oh, I never thought of it that way. I'm like, exactly. So, you know, it's, but. It, you know, if, you, if that's what you see, if it's visual, well, then yeah, that it does get very discouraging. Okay. So, for example, so when we go to the grocery store to buy, like, so so calories are there only bad calories or are there good calories? Well, you definitely want to. I mean, obviously, you want to have. There definitely are bad calories and you know good calories, bad foods and good foods. Um, ideally, you want to have under thirty grams of added sugar a day. That's ideal. Um, sugar is really our biggest enemy. Um, sugar is actually eight times more addictive than cocaine. So sugar begets sugar. So the more sugar we have, the more sugar we want. So it's in that regard, we tend to eat more when we have when we're having any kind of sugar. Um, so that's why with a glass of wine, I always recommend having some sort of protein with it you know whether it be nuts or cheese or um charcuterie and not having you know just wine and or putting out grapes it's like why are you putting wine with grapes you're already drinking the grapes so it's (laughs) you know it's one of those those things of you know the europeans do do it right we unfortunately don't and you know and then i have to clarify with a lot of patients they're like well i have a glass a day i'm like "Um, a a glass as in six ounces or a glass bottle um you know (laughs) so it's you know, it gets, it's subjective when people say a glass. I need to know what a glass exactly entails. But wait, why? So, I don't mean to interrupt, but why does the cheese counteract or, or the protein counteract the sugar in the wine? Because it sustains, it satiates your hunger. So it's the, oh. it's the prolonged, it's the prolonged energy versus the sugar, which gives you immediate energy and then you burn it off really fast. And if you don't, and it, so that's the problem with drinking late at night is that when you eat sugar and then go to bed, you, you haven't burned it off. So it gets stored as fat. Oh, and I hate to ask this as a beer, true beer drinker. Is beer just as bad as much sugar as wine? Uh, actually, it's a little bit worse. Gosh. I know. Why did you have to say that? Oh, no. I know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, it sounds horrible to say, but your best bet is going with, um, you know, heart, like, hard alcohol like vodka and things like that and not for the sugary drinks not like the martinis and things like that but just um straight vodka because you know a you're not going to down multiple shots of vodka that's the first thing secondly you're going to you know mix it with club soda which is the best thing to mix it with because club soda is just carbonated water so you're hydrating um and there's no sugar in things like vodka so, you know, club soda and vodka is fabulous. Um, you know, if you want to add some natural um, fruits to it, like, you know, some lime or lemon, that's that's, fine. that's great. And that's really, truly your best drink because you're hydrating. It's less sugar. It's lower calories. And you're not going to drink as much because you just people aren't likely to drink 12 glass, you know, 12 vodka sodas. Well, let me go back to beer again. (laughs) So what if you don't like hard alcohol and you're only drinking beer? So, but if I were to drink a beer and eat a piece of cheese, it's the same thing. I I should be doing that the same time? Yes. And and, yes. And always have a glass of water in between drinks. Because it fills you up or because? Yes. It fills you up. So you won't drink as much. And B, it's hydrating because um, alcohol is very dehydrating. So it will impact your sleep. Which, as I, as I stated before, you need your sleep. 
All right. So what about, okay. So when you do have that, any kind of sugar then in general, should you balance it with protein? So let's say you've eaten a piece of cake or you've eaten, you know, you've sort of indulged in a dessert. Are you wise to then have some, a piece of cheese or something with that? Nuts. Yes, absolutely. So a, a good example would be if you're having an apple, put some peanut butter or even better, some almond butter on top of it. Because there's that much sugar in the apple that it would... Oh, there's yes. There's a, lot, there's a lot of sugar in fruit. People don't seem to realize that. No, it's tiered. It's not all fruits have the exact same amount of sugar. Like the berries are going to have the least amount of sugar. And then, you know, the ones with the most are going to be things like mangoes and pineapple. But, um, yeah, they're, they're tiered. I actually give um, a list and I, you know, break it out as to how much sugar is in each fruit. So people are aware. Not that I don't want you having fruit. Obviously, I want you to have fruit. But if you're going to have a lot of fruit in the day, you want to go with the one that has the least sugar in it. Oh, I see. So what about this smoothie craze? So everyone's having making these huge fruit smoothies Smooth- every day. Yeah, but smoothie, you remember smoothie, that's a general term. So um, a smoothie could be really good for you or a smoothie could be really bad for you. The word smoothie does not necessarily mean healthy. It depends what you put into your smoothie. Well, smoothie just means how you're, how you're mixing everything together and making it into a you know, a, a nice little slushy, drinkable meal. So what would a healthy smoothie be versus maybe not as healthy a smoothie? Um, a healthy smoothie would have um, some sort of protein in it, um, some kale. Um, you want some fruit. That, that's always good to have some fruit in there. But those are the main things that you really want um, is to have the protein, um, some kale, and then, you know, your fruit, whatever that may be. How do some you- yogurt. Yogurt's going to add some protein. Um, you know, things, things along those lines for good smoothies. So yogurt is a good additive. Yeah, no, don't forget dairy has does have natural sugar in it, though, too, which people don't seem to realize. So, oh, all right. So what about adding protein? Like, how do you feel about that when, you know, you say, oh, I, I want to add protein powder to my smoothie? Yeah. That's a good yep. thing to do? That's a, But it depends upon the protein powder because they're not all created equal either. See, that, that, that's the problem is that a lot of, you know, there's a, a generalized term, but you really have to look at the ingredients, and, and, you know, and make sure that it's strictly just the protein powder. There aren't other additives in there because sometimes they'll have sugar in there because they add flavor or whatever the case may be. So look at the ingredients and see exactly what's in there. And, um, you know, one thing is if you can't pronounce the ingredient, don't put it in your body. That's, <laughs> that's a good rule of thumb. Um, and, you know, uh, just the fewer the ingredients, the better. Because that means there, there's less in there that's that are preservatives. So, what would you what would you not recommend putting into a smoothie? Um, all fruits and no protein. Um, mm. Those those prepackaged um, yeah. proteins are protein packs are not good. They're loaded with sugar. They're so good though. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, another good thing, by the way, to add to um, to protein shakes is um is healthy fat like coconut is a, a very good thing to add to um to protein shakes just like like coconut actual coconut from or, or is there another you, I mean, yeah you can add actual coconut absolutely what do you think and about coconut water is that good so coconut water is very good for you it's very hydrating um the only downside it does have sugar in it though too oh so that's, so that's what you have to keep sugar. balancing Yes, exactly. But it, it, is, it actually is very good for you. It's very good um, when you are working out as to, to rehydrate because the coconut has some natural uh, vitamins in it that are good to help replenish and rehydrate versus the Gatorade. Oh, because, because the Gatorade has more sugar? 
Gatorade is loaded with sugar. But does it? But for a kid who's out there, like, does Gatorade do the job to rehydrate the kid? There are other options out there that you don't need to have a Gatorade with without the sugar. Right. Does the sugar affect hydration in any way, negative or positively, or is it just an an, an unnecessary? It's it's un, it's unnecessary, and um, and some people can get the sugar can actually irritate their stomach. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just not necessary. Plus, there are a lot of um, additives in there that you don't need that could impact your performance. Um, you know, different types of dyes and things like that. All right, now I'm terrified to bring this up because, as I mentioned, I average six cokes a day. Um, caffeine. So, what's your feeling on that? Well, I mean. <laughs> I know. Do, do you honestly want me to tell you? Like, um, maybe. Sure. I mean, there there are alternatives to caffeine. Number one, uh, but caffeine is addictive, and there are ways to get off of caffeine. Um, and if you feel better and sleep better, you don't need the caffeine. To be honest with you, but it's like a chicken and the egg because, like, I don't sleep, so I can't get right. through the day. And it's not like I can't. I lie there and I. It's been years. I can't sleep. So by 1 o'clock, or who am I kidding? By 9 a.m., I need, I've already had a coffee or two, and then I need the Coke. Cane, uh, Coca-Cola. <laughs> Sorry. Hold on. Not the cocaine, the Coca-Cola. To, to, I, I can't stay awake without it. Okay. Well, then you, you, the first thing I would address would be how you sleep. That would be the first thing. And why you're not sleeping. But, you know, that's, that's something that you need to look at. Um, because that right there is going to cause so many more problems than the, the Coke. I'll be honest with you. So you just need to look at why is it that you're not sleeping? Or if you can sleep, if you can get to bed earlier and then wake up early, that's fine. As long as you're getting in your chunk of sleep that you need. What you your seven to nine hours. Seven to so nine hours solid. straight? Yes. Seven straight. See, that's the thing is that other people are like, oh, I get it. They're like, do you get up to go to the bathroom? You're like, well, yes. I'm like, well, then that's not straight because you're actually getting up physically and going to the bathroom. So you're only sleeping for whatever it is until you go to the bathroom. What is it, four hours or whatever? And they're going back to bed. So that's disrupted sleep. I'm in awe of anyone who can make seven straight hours. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah. So, I mean, it's just, but it's something to, to you should probably see some, see, uh, you know, a sleep specialist to find out what it is that is either waking you up or not allowing you to go to sleep, or whatever whatever the situation is. So for other people out there listening, you know, people would say take, rather than the um, prescriptive sleeping pills, you can take, right. um, like, uh, organic. Mel- like melatonin. Yes, yeah, like melatonin. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? That's fine. That's actually great, as long as it's working for you. But it doesn't, obviously. it's healthy, it's not affecting anything. No, because we naturally produce melatonin. Oh, I see. Okay. To help us sleep. Yes. So our bodies naturally produce it. So in the winter months, when it's darker throughout the, the day, um, people don't produce as much melatonin. So oftentimes people will find that they need to replace that melatonin to help them sleep in the winter months. So because we need that sunlight to help us produce that melatonin. Is that what D, so the sunlight gives you the vitamin D? Vitamin D is a very helpful as well, but that's not melatonin. But vitamin D is very good to also eat. But you also this, the, the sun helps you absorb the vitamin D as well, yes. Oh, I see. All right, I have another question now. How about fish oil? So fish oil is very good. Um, it's not going to impact your sleep or anything like that. Fish oil has a lot of benefits to it um, for your joints. Um, they found some cardiac benefits to it. So it's a, it's a very good supplement to take, absolutely. But you could also, if you, but if you eat well, like if you're eating 
good fish, to be honest with you, you're getting the same benefits. If you don't, you don't have a good diet, then I would highly recommend taking fish oil. And do, do you think it actually, or I guess do studies actually show it affects or benefits memory, or is that? New studies have shown that it can benefit memory, yes. But that's for people who are older, yes. All right, so now we get to the older people like me, which uh, we're getting to the ugly topic now, the, the bad M word, um, talking about sort of metabolism and then going into menopause. And for those right. listening out there, what is the effect of it and how can we deal with this and ugh, everything else about it? <laughs> Well, the first thing is, like I said, is really the strength training to really build up that muscle to make your body more efficient. Um, and the problem is that once we stop producing estrogen, which is what happens with menopause, is that we start to naturally store cortisol in our abdomen. So really focusing on keeping stress down, sleeping well, and doing everything to kind of combat that effect um, of the increase of the cortisol are two of the main things. So truthfully, why, because why is why is it in our stomach? Like, that's just it. It's a it, that it, it. That's where it gets stored. It, it's protective. That's just where it gets stored. Ugh! It's so unfair. <laughs> that's where it has to get stored. Yeah. So yep. rude. Um. So that's something you can't. You can't stop. I mean, it's going to happen. No. Yes, it's going to happen. But you can you can slow the progress by you know you know like I said the strength training, decreasing the sugar, increasing your fluids, making sure you're sleeping well, and decreasing your stress. And so that's metabolism, or that's because of the estrogen, the stopping of estrogen that we store right. in our cells. And also, and, and your metabolism does get affected by it as well. So your metabolism does go down with the decrease in your muscle, naturally. So knowing what you need to eat, listening to your body is key, but none of us really do it. So, so is, um, is that why so metabolism is affected by menopause? Not because of the estrogen, not hormonally, but because with each year we lose muscle it, it's a combination of the two. Oh, i never realized that yeah. so is there a way to maintain what well, you were saying like keeping up with strength strength training right. and all the other things but if you can maintain your metabolism so so everyone focuses well i don't know about everyone but with menopause on the hormonal side of it but are you saying if you could potentially focus sort of on the metabolic side of it it would be helpful as well it would be helpful because you would be, um, you know, it, as far as like the the hormonal changes, um, hot flashes, things like that, like exercise can actually help with that as well. Um, it's not replacing the estrogen, but it's making your body more efficient. So that's one thing to consider. Um, no, it's not going to produce estrogen for you, but it will help your body be just more, a little bit more efficient with the hormones that you still have in your system. So that's the first, that's one thing. Um, ideally, you would get your metabolism measured every year. It should be, you know, kind of part of your annual visit is getting your metabolism re- measured every year because there are many, many facets that impact your metabolism. Age being one of the main factors, to be honest with you, weight gain, weight loss, stress, you name it, can impact our metabolism. So it's good to know what where your body is each year so you don't get into that, you know, I've been fine for many, many years. They keep telling me I'm fine, then all of a sudden they tell me I'm overweight, but I haven't changed anything. Right. So, um, and then, you know, could you do more natural um, estrogen-like properties, um, such as that found in, like, soy and things like that? You could, absolutely. Um, could you take a hormone replacement? Absolutely. Um which could be helpful with more of the uh, direct hormonal impacts like sleep, 
hot flashes, um, night sweats and things like that. You could do that as well. But if you really eat well, hydrate, sleep well, um, it's not going to be perfect. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be like this menopausal guru who's to tell you that, <laughs> oh, yeah, don't worry about it. Like, you don't have to, you know, you're, you're, you can, you'll survive this and you're not brave if you can't. Um, <laughs> but it definitely will make a, a, a difference. So let's say you're talking about like measuring this metabolic rate. And by the way, that's what Karen does. So this is what you're, we start that with your practice. Like, so let's say I am a new patient and Karen, for those of everyone who's joined in tonight, I'm here with Dr. Karen Butler Colbert and I'm Kathleen Butler Smith. So yes, it's my sister, but incredibly proud of what she's doing and impressed and learning a lot tonight. So Karen, let's talk about how someone listening out there says, okay, I'm signing up with Karen and how, how do they, begin like how do you even sign up with you and then let's go through how it would work so basically um for the first visit i have patients come in um ideally first thing in the morning because the resting metabolic rate is that just that resting metabolic rate so um i don't want you to eat or drink anything you can have water but you don't want any caffeine or have any food because that can impact your metabolism or exercise um prior to the visit, four hours prior to the visit. So ideally you come in first thing in the morning. Um, it's a breathing test. It's very, it's literally resting. So you lie on a couch and you breathe into a tube for, you know, roughly eight to 12 minutes, depending upon how long it takes for the uh, machine to register a consistent breath that it needs. And um, then, you know, so then I give um, the patient the, the number, their, their direct number of what they currently need to keep their organs alive. And then we go from there, and I kind of talk about their lifestyle, what they're currently doing, modifications I can make with what they're doing. Um, talk about even just you know their their job, their family life, their interests, so that um, I can incorporate um, so so you know more, being more active with what they're currently doing. Um, you know if they do have a desk job, what they can do during the day to you know maintain activity so that, that you know they don't get stuck in that rut. So I really focus on the individual. It's um it's a pretty long visit to be honest with you because it's I get I want to get to really know the person, um understand what their current lifestyle is, what they're re- willing to do as well because that's also a factor I've got to take into play into consideration. Um because some people are you know are saying they're going to be gung ho in one area and then I am able to read them and I know they're not going to be able to go gung ho in one area. So I I work within their parameters. Um, I, I want to interrupt for one second. So what is resting heart rate versus resting metabolic rate? So resting heart rate is just um, what your, your, when your heart is, when you're at rest, you're, you're literally how, what your heartbeats are. That, but, that's it. That has that to do with the metabolism? It doesn't. Do you do, do you do any of that or that's a separate thing? That's completely separate. So that's, yeah. So now, if they, if you have an elevated heart rate, we'd have to wonder what's going on. You know, that's that's another issue. But um, that that doesn't have to deal with the metabolism itself. Do, the resting metabolic rate, I should say. So, some people have you found that they'll rely on not knowing about this with the metabolic rate that they'll rely on their resting heart rate sort of as their barometer of where they are when that's it's the incorrect way to measure. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, people will sometimes measure their heart rate um, to when they're exercising to make sure that they're, um, you know, making their heart work hard. Right, like every machine is always like, what is your heart rate? 
yeah. Well, don't ever go by the machine. The machines um, have been proven to be inaccurate. So that's the first thing. If you really want an accurate reading, you should get one of those um, heart rate monitors that you put against your chest. That's going to give you the most accurate heart rate. Um, so when you do, so that has to do more with exercise, the heart rate monitors, to make sure that you are your heart is being taxed when you're working out. So that does impact your metabolism in the short term, mm-hmm. meaning that if you exercise hard and you do it efficiently, then your your body will um, burn more calories for an extended period of time. But that's only while you're mid exercise. Yeah, but if you do the proper exercises, you can actually um, have that carry through for about 36 hours. Really? Yeah. That's where the HIIT workouts come out, the high-intensity interval training workouts. Oh, I see. Now, that's as opposed to the strength training. That's totally different. Right. So what's your feeling, and I know you're familiar with this, um, with like an Ironman or like a triathlon or that kind of um, – you know, see, see, in that regard, um, you're not you're not doing that to lose weight. Just so you know, because mm-hmm. you're taxing your body to do things that is not natural for the body. So as a result, you you need more calories to fuel your body to go above and beyond what it's it's supposed to do. So that's why you're supposed to eat like a ton of pasta before you run a marathon, sort of thing. So- uh, I mean, they, they talk about the, the complex car. It's not, and it, that, that's that's more of like a kind of a myth because that can actually slow you down a little bit. But yes, you do want it. You do want to have. <laughs> well, no, I shouldn't say that. But like two days before, but like you don't want to overload on on like carbs the night before because. But that's that the reason for the carbs is you want to have that stored energy source for when you've got you know you've you've kind of peaked out on what you've currently had, and then your body uses stores for energy. So it, you know, so it doesn't start to burn fat because that's dangerous to the rest of the body. Oh, oh, I see. Um, okay, so let's go back to the dreaded menopause question because <laughs> so strength training is definitely the way, we, and just aging in general, right? So we're going to focus more on strength training and dietary, right. right? For that, and and also, like I said. You know, aerobic is very good for stress release. So absolutely, that's a, that's a great thing to do for stress release. But if you're looking for weight loss, it, the aerobic is not not the route to go. It has the strength training is the route to go for weight loss. But I'm not I'm, by by all means, if someone needs to go running to relieve stress, absolutely, I encourage that. So, but it but it's only if they enjoy doing it. You need everyone needs an outlet for stress. And and when you say for weight loss through exercise as opposed to the metabolic approach through the, you know, when you were saying the caloric thing can burn 36 or you can go 36 hours with caloric burn. Does that, is there any benefit to weight loss through that? Oh, yes, actually there is because that also incorporates, we do the hit the high intensity interval training workouts. You, yes, you are improving your heart and your cardiac output. And it often does involve um, a mixture of aerobic and strength training. We do the hit workouts. Oh, I see. So they're incorporating that into it. Yes, well. exactly. Like you, you'll do sprints, but then you'll get on the ground and you'll, and you'll do, you know, pushups and, um, you know, uh, things, the weights and things like that. Yes. So you've come an incredibly long way and your route, like as a morph mom, cause sort of, you know, you began with, we didn't, I don't think we mentioned this before, but when Karen graduated college, she was a neonatal, um, nurse 
then went on right. to get become a nurse practitioner and then went on to get her doctorate where she now is, you know, you've sort of gone the gamut of age even. But of all you've done, of all your years, and, and you are truly accomplished, it's worth saying, you're award-winning from both Georgetown and Penn for what you've done. And you've been recognized for many other awards for what you've done. But what would you say is the most gratifying maybe memory or experience or patient? Is there one thing that in all these years you've gone through that's something you sort of always resort back to? Like, you know, that it's that one kid that's going to keep me going or it's that one instance that's going to keep me going. Oh, wow. That's actually a very good question. Um, I mean, just the, I mean, I get, fortunately, I get daily affirmations from most of my patients, just, you know, seeing them happy. Um, and, you know, as I said, I, I, I don't want repeat patients, right. not that I don't want to see people, but that I haven't been a success. Um, so when a patient calls me up to, um, you know, and says, you know, I haven't gained any weight and I'm worried about something, you know, um, I'm worried about going into the holiday season, what should I do? That actually is quite gratifying in that um, I know that they've been able to maintain, I've taught them the right skills and tools and they've maintained it because it's not me, you know, making them lose weight. They, they're, right. it's, they're, they're doing it. It's not me. I'm just guiding them in the right, in the right direction. So to know that people are um, able to, maintain what I have educated them about and maintain where they want to be. Fear is a normal factor of life. And I just kind of, I talk, not, not talking about the ledge by any means, but I just, <laughs> I kind of you know, reassure them and, you know, explain to them. I'm like, of course you can come back in, but you don't need to, like you, you're still where you are. You know, let's look at that and don't, and don't go in with fear, you know, don't, just, just keep doing what you're doing because you're doing it well, you're doing it right. Um, and so, that I find very, very um, satisfying, and I just have—I've—I've I've met some of the most incredible people through my work that um, I'm so grateful for. I know that they people—they think they're grateful for me, but I, many people have changed my life in many ways um, on a number of levels. And with your kids, as a mother of three, has there been—I don't know—an experience with your kids where you like when when they actually see the help that you're giving to people and the change that you're making in people's lives. And they're little still. <laughs> oh, that depends on the day. <laughs> um, <laughs> if it interferes with their activities, they, 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 they couldn't care less. <laughs> so, <laughs> All right. Understandably. Um, and they're little. So in fairness to them. So yes, I have a, I have a, um, a nine year old boy, a 10 year old boy and a 13 year old daughter. And um, it depends. It really does depend. But it's 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 good, I think, for my my uh, daughter, in particular, to see me working um, and getting making an impact in other people's lives. Um, but also um, the influence I'm hopefully having on her as well, without being this nag about how she's living her life as far as eating well and you know being healthy. Right. So I'm hoping that she, that I'm leading by example in that regard. So I'm hoping that it's it's um, more than twofold. I, you know, I'm hoping that she's learning um, how to be independent. I'm hoping she's learning that she can go back to school when she has three kids. Um, right. And I'm hoping that she, you know, is realizing how important it is. Um, it's not just about food. It's about what we choose and how we eat. And that food is secondary to our life. We, we need it. But I don't want anyone obsessing over it i want you know you eat to live you don't live to eat right and that's been my motto um 
so in that regard, yes, I, I'm, you know, uh, I think my kids are benefiting tremendously from that. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't say by no means would I use them as examples um, to follow <laughs> as far as eating, but uh, I do know that they're like, I, you know, it's, it's great when my nine year old picks up a box and is like, mom, do you know this has this many grams of sugar in it? And I'm like, and, and I'm like, and how big is the serving size? And he's like, wow. He's like, look how small that surfing size is. I said, see? So they're, they're reading labels and they're doing right. things that, that um, I, you know, I teach my patients, but I haven't really enforced on them. I do it. But it's just nice to see that they're actually, um, they're actually living the way that I want them to make good choices. Now, Karen, I can't believe this. We have one minute left. So quickly, can you tell our audience out there, how can they get in touch with you? How do they reach you? What's the best way? Uh, best way is through my website, uh, www.w2center.com. And the you number say, two? It's a W uh, number two. Yeah, it's, it's W the number two. It's, it's really W squared, but um, a lot of, I, 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 I'm, I'm not computer savvy, and I, I can't always get that exponent up there. <laughs> so it comes out as, yes, I'm not doing taxes, I promise. Um, so <laughs> it says on the tax center. I should, I should change my name. But um Anyway, yes, so W2Center.com, and um, you can also reach me at 202-279-0300. I answer pretty fast, and um, like I said, I'm digitally advanced in that regard. Not tech savvy, but I I can answer emails, and I Skype, and I do FaceTime, and um, it's actually been quite beneficial for my patients who travel quite a bit who work. So, um, you know, and I just, like I said, I, I customize so that people based on their personalities, um, that's how I, I encourage them and I hold them accountable and, you know, and how, and how, as, as little or as much as, as they want and need. Perfect. Karen, I can't thank you enough for coming on tonight. Everyone, uh, reach out to Karen. I'm telling you it is life changing and, uh, thank you all for listening tonight and we'll see you next week. Good night, everyone. Thanks. Thank you, Kathleen served honorably in our nation's armed forces and you're looking for a way to continue serving your fellow veterans in your community, then join AMVETS. Each year, AMVETS members volunteer millions of hours at VA health care facilities from coast to coast, helping to improve the lives of their fellow veterans through the VA Voluntary Services Program. AMVETS posts and departments also participate in a wide variety of community service projects, ranging from Americanism in our schools to supporting the Special Olympics and Boy Scouts of America. If you no longer wear the uniform today, you can still serve through the AMVETS by joining today at AMVETS.org. Hi, I'm Janice Ian. Do you remember how excited you were at the start of summer every year and how the summer just started to drag on after a few months and you couldn't wait to get back to school, see your old friends, make new friends, get new books and a new locker and a clean slate? Well, you should have been excited about music class, too, because that was a special room where you went to sing, perform with your friends, and learn all kinds of interesting stuff about great composers, instruments, different kinds of music and songs. We remember our music teachers because they were so passionate about helping us learn to love music. They helped to spark a love for listening to notes and voices and rhythms that continues to enrich our lives even today. I bet your kids feel the same way about music class. Ask them and make sure they get involved with music in school and in their lives. A PSA brought to you by MENC, the National Association for Music Education, and the National Anthem Project, the campaign to restore America's voice through music education. Music, part of a sound education.
Voted number one jazz cabaret club by New York Magazine, the Metropolitan Room is one of the most critically acclaimed venues in New York City and is known as the home for big-name talents and rising stars. Known as a celebrity hangout, the Metropolitan Room is a high-end cabaret and jazz club and brings the best in live music to New York City every night of the week. Fabulous award-winning Broadway, TV, film, and radio performers take the stage in an intimate 115-seat elegant venue. Aside from the great highly professional artistic shows and audience, Metropolitan Room provides an exceptional appetizer and dessert menu as well as exotic and specialty drinks prepared by top New York City bartenders. The Metropolitan Room is located at 34 West 22nd Street, conveniently located near public transportation. For information or reservations, call area code 212-206-0440. Once again, the area code is 212-206-0440. Or go to their website at www.metropolitanroom.com.